0: Welcome to Church on the Edge, a podcast designed to challenge you and help you rethink what church is and what church should be. This is your host, Dan Armistead. You can learn more about me at my website, danarmistead.com, so please check it out. What do we do when everything we believe about God His person, his ways, his love, his grace, just seems to blow up in our faces. I cry out to you, God, but you don't answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. You turn on me ruthlessly. With the might of your hand, you attack me. You snatch me up and drive me before the wind. You toss me about in the storm, I know that you will bring me down to death. Those are the words of Job in chapter 30 of his book, verses 20 through 23. Why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? You are to me, O God, like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails." Those are the words of Jeremiah found in chapter 15 and verse 18 of his prophecy where he calls God a liar. It is inevitable for those who journey long enough and far enough on this journey of faith to which God calls us, it it is inevitable that we will experience a crisis of faith. In his parable of the sower and the seed, Jesus describes four different kinds of soil, soil being a metaphor, a, a picture of the hearts and lives of his would-be followers. There are those, says Jesus, who are like the soil on the pathway, hardened and unreceptive to the seed that, that is sown. They just, for whatever reason, don't get it, don't receive it, never truly become disciples. And there are those, says Jesus, who are like the soil in the rocky places. The seed sown there, they, they germinate and begin to grow, but there's no place for their roots to really estrab- establish a strong, healthy plant. And the sun comes up, the heat beats down, and the plants wither and die. Our Lord tells us that this is a picture of what happens to those when persecution or testing comes out they quit they turn back from the journey to which they were called and never resume it then there's a third kind of soil on which the seed the call of jesus to follow me lands it is soil with thorns the seed begins to grow but the thorns choke out the tender shoots and they die These are those, says Jesus, who receive the invitation, they begin the journey of faith, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, wealth, success, a a well-established life sends them on detours from their journey of faith, detours from which they, again, never return. But there is a fourth kind of soil on which the seed of Jesus' call to follow me falls. Our Lord simply calls it good soil these are the followers who produce fruitful lives lives that point to a relentless, ruthless faith in God come what may those are the four kinds of soil described in Jesus' parable of the sower and the seed and I need to pause here and, and say something that really in a lot of ways I'd rather not say but I need to. And that is that we can find all these soil samples in the church today. We can find all these soil samples in the lives of those who identify as Christians, as, as followers of Jesus. The pews in our churches today are filled with people who have never really understood the call of Jesus and have never really made a decision to truly follow him. They may have been baptized or gone through confirmation classes. They may show up every time the doors of the church open, but they have never truly taken that first step of faith in response to Jesus' call to follow me. There are others singing in the choir or on the praise team who said yes to the call of Christ, but when times of testing came, they fudged, they folded, they dropped out, They decided to go their own way, still claiming commitment to Christ, still asking God to bless their religious efforts, but but now they're seen for who and what they really are. At least they're seen for who and what they really are by God. They are takers, never givers. And without even realizing it, they have fashioned an idol that replaces God, an idol much like the genie in the bottle or the waiter in the restaurant who exists only for their needs and their wants. And the result of that is that both their self-awareness and their God-awareness is lacking. Then there are those who started the journey but they took a detour from which they've, again, never returned, caught up in the everyday demands of life, going to work, paying the bills, buying the groceries, taking care of the kids, distracted in their pursuit of happiness to the point that they have placed God way down on their list of priorities. Oh, they're still attending church still giving their tithes and offerings, teaching Sunday school classes or leading small groups, serving as deacons and elders, but they are, for the most part, fruitless and shallow in their faith. But then there are those who've stayed the course. They've passed the test of faith. Oh, they've taken some detours, to be sure. The demands of living and the pursuit of happiness are, are no less of a challenge to them than for others. But somehow they manage to keep coming back to that narrow path. The, the journey of faith, the call of Jesus to follow me, well, it, it's captured their hearts. And they're like Peter, who spoke for All 12 disciples, after the crowds had turned back from following Jesus and all of them had walked away, Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, Are you going to? Where else can we go, Lord, said Peter? You alone have the words of eternal life. Don't think for a moment that it's been easy for the good soil people. Don't think there haven't been times when the good soil people have cried out in anguish trying to understand how the God they chose to follow could allow them to experience the pain and heartache and loss they've encountered in life. But like Job, after all of their anger and doubts and questions, they can say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Or like Jeremiah, who after his ranting and raving and heartache and pain and disappointment with God, could say, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones, and I must speak his word. It's not easy to follow Jesus, and Jesus never promised it would be. He says, only those who are willing to lose their lives for my sake will find them. And he tells us, pick up your cross and follow me. And you know, I think it is the cross, ultimately, the prospect of suffering and pain without understanding. I think it's the prospect of the cross that does so many in, that causes so many to take detours from the journey of faith that they've been called, detours from which they never really return. And I really need to say this again. Many of those who have taken those permanent detours are faithful church members who sadly have substituted religious performance for the call of Jesus to follow me. At one time, many of those taking these permanent detours were were a lot like Peter. They began their journey of faith and they were ready and willing to suffer and, and even die for Jesus if necessary. Ready and willing, that is, until the call to follow Christ turned out to be something very different from what they thought it would be like when Peter pulled his sword in the garden of Gethsemane, ready to die with Jesus. And and Jesus said to Peter, put that sword away. And when the king that he followed was nailed to a cross instead of seated on a throne, that's when Peter, to use the biblical phrase, fell away. And even after having seen the resurrected Lord... It took a special visit by Jesus calling Peter back from his reestablished career as a fisherman before Peter got off the detour he had taken and got back on the journey of faith to which Christ had called him. You know, I pray over every one of these podcasts and I pray that the Spirit of God would would speak to and and move in the lives of my listeners. And I think a lot about my role. You know, what is it God is calling me to do? And and it all seems to always come back to the soil. Jeremiah called out to his listeners and and the prophet said, break up the fallow ground in your hearts. In other words, get rid of the rocks, pull up the thorns, clear the field of your soul, focus on becoming good soil. Soil. Here's the truth about the sower and the seed and the different kinds of soil that Jesus describes. Cultivating, developing, enriching that soil so that it can receive and produce fruit and not choke out our commitment to Christ, well, it's an ongoing process in our lives. It's not a one-time event. The journey of faith to which all of us have been called through Christ involves a consistent, diligent effort taking our spiritual plow and breaking up the fallow ground of our hearts constantly. That's the challenge. And and that's why Jesus stresses again and again the need for persistence and endurance in the lives of those who follow him. You know, I'm at a place in my life and walk with Christ now at this point and and to be honest, this kind of thing does come and go. It ebbs and flows, if we're honest about it. But I'm at a place in, in my journey of faith that right now, in many ways, is, is better than it's been in years. It may I may be at the best place I've ever been. But there are still so many rocks and roots, thorns and hard patches of ground choking out what, what God wants to do in the life of Dan Armistead. But like Job, I, I've come through the fire. When he has tested me, says Job, I will come forth as as gold. Now, I may not be gold, and if I am, I've still got a lot of impurities. I'm I'm not a very high carrot, that's for sure. But I've come far enough along this journey to, I hope, shed some light on one of the most, if not the most, complicated confusing, and mysterious stories in the Bible. Found in Genesis chapter 22, it is a crucial crossroads in our study of Abraham and the journey of faith to which God calls all of us. Genesis chapter 22 is, of course, the story of God's command to Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a human sacrifice. It's a shocking story, to say the least. The very thought, the, the mere idea of a God who could demand a human sacrifice from anyone is enough to to make most of us walk away from that God and never come back, to, to wash our hands, to come clean, and to say, if if that's what following you means, God, I don't want any part of it. Now, we're going to be looking at this story for a at least a couple of podcasts, maybe more. And I want you to understand something at the outset. This is not just another bedtime Bible story. I know that uh, this story can be taught in such a way that it it focuses on the fearless faith of Abraham, the one who's been called the father of our faith, Father Abraham. I'm also keenly aware that uh, we can point to this story as a Bible-type that ultimately points us to the cross where, where God himself did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Yeah, I'm aware of these approaches to this story, and I, I've taught these things over the years. But the truth is, this story goes way beyond those lessons, those applications. This story is bigger than any of those things. It, it, it refuses to, to fit into a three-point sermon on surviving tests of faith or demonstrating God's grace and love seen in the cross of Christ. This story, well, it, it will not be tamed. It will not submit to those neat, clean explanations. There, look, there are enough explanations and defenses of this story out there already. We don't need any more. The Bible is, is not an answer book, not, not really. This book, which I have grown to love more than ever, it leaves us with just as many questions as it does answers. And that's why I have no interest in becoming another defender of the faith, another Bible answer man, ready to explain all of God's ways and provide God's people with reliable, reasonable, and, and most important, right answers. There's no reasoning with God in this story. There's only wrestling. And that's what makes this story, and that's what makes Scripture so powerful, and that's what I relish most about my calling to teach God's Word. It's not my job to pour Bible knowledge into people's heads, again, to be the answer man. No, I want to take this book, and and by the Spirit of God, I want to shake you up. I want to leave you with with questions because that's where we grow in our faith. That's what it takes. And that's what makes scripture and this story that we're looking at in particular so potentially powerful in your life and mine. We've been talking about the journey of faith that God calls us to through Jesus. Follow me, he says. And if you've been keeping up with these podcasts, and you know we've talked about the fact that on this journey there are some detours. And just like Abraham, we're going to take some of those detours. Proverbs 24, 16 says, the righteous falls seven times and gets back up. I mean, it doesn't take long to realize there are going to be detours on this journey of faith. And as we said, hopefully those detours will come less often and be less and less in their duration so that we're back on the road again with Jesus. But we have also noted that there are landmarks along the way, answers to prayer, experiences with God, moving in our lives in ways we may have never imagined. I've shared some of my own landmarks with you, and, and the truth is some of those landmarks are larger than others. We've looked at several landmarks in Abraham's journey, and there can be no doubt that the most significant landmark in Abraham's journey of faith was when his son Isaac was born in his old age, when Sarah, his wife, was not only old but childless and barren and had been barren their entire marriage. That was the greatest landmark in Abraham's journey of faith. We've talked about the journey and the detours and the landmarks, but you know, up to this point, we have not said a word about what eventually happens to all of those who are serious about the journey. And I need to say it again, although I've said it already, but I need to say it again. Church attendance, tithes and offerings, daily devotionals and Bible readings, those things can be, but are not necessarily signs of someone who's serious about following Jesus about this journey of faith. But for those who are serious about their faith journeys, there comes a time, inevitably, when on that journey they come to Moriah. There comes a time, inevitably, when all of us on our journeys of faith stand at the foot of Moriah. And we find ourselves in a place where it seems that everything we believed about God is challenged. And there are no answers, only questions. And we look around us to, to, the, to the place that we feel certain God has led us or allowed us to come. And, and we're tormented, afraid. We, we don't understand what God is doing at all. In, in fact, we're angry at the very thought that God is responsible in any way for what we're having to go through. We are experiencing a, a crisis, a crisis of faith. And when that crisis comes, we have a decision to make. Am I going to trust God or not? Am I going to let go of those things which are so precious to me, those things in which I find my identity and purpose? Am I willing to do that if if that's what God is calling me to do? It may not make sense. It's illogical, unreasonable, but, but the question is, am I willing to do it? Reason, said the great reformer Martin Luther, is the enemy of faith. Luther did not mean by that that reason should never be followed. No, not at all. Most of us live by reason on a daily basis. But when the journey leads us to Moriah... When following Christ means trusting God, even when we don't understand, even when it hurts or causes loss, when we follow God to the top of the mountain with our most cherished things and He tells us to sacrifice them there for His sake, it is a test of faith like no other. It is, if you will, the acid test of faith. And what seems like a leap into the darkness is, in fact, a leap into the open arms of God. And somehow, if we can find the courage to take that leap, God will be there to catch us, and our lives will never be the same again. You know, I originally entitled this podcast, Crisis of Faith, Crisis of the dictionary defines that word crisis as a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. Maybe you've heard the saying, What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> well, that's what crises of faith do. They either kill our faith, or at least freeze our faith, or they make our faith in God stronger than it's ever been before. And I want you to listen to me because this is important. You can't duck a crisis. You cannot bypass it or ignore it. You have to embrace it. You must walk through it. You know, as we read the story of Abraham and Isaac and Mount Moriah, which again is found in Genesis chapter 22, you can read about it in verses 1 through 19. But I think the most important thing that we read in that story and the thing that is crucial when it comes to to dealing with crisis of faith are the words of Abraham that appear in verse 1 and again in verse 11. In both verses, God calls to Abraham and Abraham answers saying, here I am. Here I am. When we experience crisis of faith, it's important that that we do the same thing, that we say to God, here I am. We started this podcast with the words of Job and of Jeremiah. Both men underwent extreme crises of faith, but in those crises, they didn't run from God. They didn't reject God. They didn't manage away the crisis. No, both Job and Jeremiah said to God, here I am. I cry out. I stand up. You are to me like a deceptive brook. Here I am. I'm confused. I'm hurting. I'm disappointed in you, God, but here I am. I'm angry at you, God, but here I am. You know, I can remember a time in my life I, I had been fired, voted out as pastor of a church, and half the leaders uh, and the overwhelming majority of Sunday school teachers came to me and they said, You know, Pastor, Let's start a new church. And I agreed. Uh, God was moving when I was fired. And and together with these other leaders, I just fully expected God to keep on doing what he was doing. We were in the middle of an incredible work of the Holy Spirit, a great revival in our church. And so I moved out of the nice house furnished by the church into a roach-infested two-bedroom trailer, with my wife and three children, all in diapers, by the way. And I was ready to suffer for Jesus because I knew that God would just simply pick up where he left off when I got voted out. Five years later, I was in a deep depression. Nothing had gone right. Our little fellowship was shrinking, not growing We couldn't find a decent place to meet, and I went out, took a long walk, and I stood in the middle of a forest of cedar trees with no one else around, and I can remember like it was yesterday. I shouted at the top of my lungs, and I said things to God that day that, well, that that I'm ashamed to repeat, and, and I won't repeat but underneath it all and through it all, I was saying to God, here I am. And that's the very first thing you need to make up your mind to do in your crisis of faith, to stay on the road, to stay on the journey, to plant your feet firmly and to say to God, here I am. I want to share with you the words of Pastor A.W. Tozier written in 1948, and and these words are written about this story of Abraham and Isaac and Mount Moriah. Listen to what he says. I'm quoting here. Let me exhort you to take this seriously. It is not to be understood as mere Bible teaching to be stored away in the mind with an inert mass of other doctrines. It is a marker on the road to greener pastures, a path chiseled against the steep sides of the mount of God. We dare not try to bypass it if we would follow on in this holy pursuit. We must ascend a step at a time. If we refuse, we bring our progress to an end. Is that where you are today? standing at the foot of Moriah? Let, let me be clear about something. H- however you got there, and whatever it is that God is calling you to sacrifice on that mountain, one thing is absolutely certain, and it is the one thing that leaves no doubt that God has indeed been the one to lead you there. If it makes you question God in His ways, Maybe even his very existence, but certainly at least his love and his goodness and his grace and many of the things you have believed about God over the years. If you're struggling with doubts and fears and anger, anger at God. If you're wrestling with the decision to just quit, to just abandon the journey, abandon following Christ for one single day, not anymore While I follow you, you're saying then I want you to know that you are indeed, my friend, standing at the foot of Mount Moriah. Almost every week I read about another pastor or worship leader or Christian celebrity who has left the faith. And every one of them says pretty much the same thing. They say, I feel so relieved, so free from a life that was making me miserable. And you know what? I get it. I've been writing lately about the institutionalized church and and how far from Jesus and his calling many churches are in our day. I've just recently posted an article where I quote a young lady who said this about all the efforts in churches today to reach her generation. This is what she said. Again, I'm quoting here. Like scientists poking a lab specimen, you crowd around us and ask, how do we get it to eat? How do we get it to drink the water of life? Do we offer it coffee? Should we hire a pastor with more tattoos? Hello, friends. We're not apes, you know. The reason we're staring blankly back is that, frankly, we're insulted. We don't want coffee. We don't want multicolored stage lights. We want Jesus. And we can't find him in your churches. I'll be the first to say that the institutional church today has some real issues, and for some of you, that may very well be your Mount Moriah. You have seen and heard and experienced things in the church that have caused you to to walk away from church and, and maybe even to walk away from Christianity. I've already shared with you the story of a the former pastors who quit church, left the faith, and, and did a podcast while just getting wasted drinking margaritas and dissing the church and dissing the Christian faith. I've shared with you about Abraham Piper, who has left the faith of his famous father, John Piper, and, and no longer claims to be a follower of Jesus. And I want you to know there's not a single story out there that I've read or heard that I can't identify with completely that I can't sympathize with, thinking, you know, that could be me. But by God's grace, it's not me. Oh, I came close, so very close to walking away from it all. Maybe one day I'll share that complete story with you. I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. But there's a verse of Scripture in the New Testament book of Hebrews, Found in chapter 11 of that book, it describes a crisis of faith through which Abraham passed on Mount Moriah when when God did ask him to offer Isaac, his son, as a human sacrifice. And here's what it says, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19. He, Abraham, considered that God was able even to raise him, Isaac, from the dead, which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back from the dead. I want to leave you with this thought, and we'll come back next time and continue with this story of Abraham and Isaac at Moriah, but I want to leave you with this. There came a time in my life when my faith all but died, and when I was ready to walk away from the church and the Christian faith, I mean, I was well on my way, but with every step I took, I gazed up into the heavens more often than not with fist clenched, shaking it in the face of God. And I said again and again, over and over, here I am, here I am, here I am. And God took my all but dead faith and he breathed life again into me. And like the resurrected body of my Lord, When God breathed life into that dead faith, the life that came back, the faith that returned was different. The limitations and boundaries that had hind me in for years without me even realizing it, well, they were gone. And my faith for the journey was broader and deeper and wider than it had ever been. And it still is. And it's growing more and more with a freedom and a joy and a rest that I've never known. Don't bypass your Mount Moriah. Don't walk away from God. But in your fear and failure and heartache and misery and anger and disappointment, cry out to God and say, Here I am. This has been Church on the Edge with Dan Armistead, rethinking what church is and what church should be. If you like this episode, please leave a review at your preferred podcast provider, and you can find out more about this podcast as well as my articles, coming books, and more at danarmstead.com. And remember, it's all about Jesus and following him as his church on the edge.